Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Attitude. Check. He's going in. Joe Suchere. Detective. Lake Detective. Lake Detective. Lake Detective. Lake Detective. Hey, good afternoon, Joe. Steve McComas, Blue Water Science. Let me be entirely serious. You have a uh, bachelor's degree in biology and geology and two master's degrees, one in environmental science and the other in civil engineering. And he's the dumb one. Yeah, and we uh, we've had fun for twenty three years. You are the go to guy, but that right. fu- that fun has always had uh, the underpinnings of knowing that you are a credible source. You uh, uh, you you have known what you've been talking about, and I I might have ordinarily come on the air and dismissed this climate change altering lakes story on the on the front page of today's Minneapolis paper, but I thought. No, let's let's go through it together, sure. and, and and see what you think. And uh, uh, the gist of it is that an increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, uh, perhaps, maybe, we don't know, uh, is affecting lake water and the inhabitants of lakes. Is that how you read it? That's the way it's. That's the way it was listed in the paper. That's right. We're monkeying with the very chemical foundations of these ecosystems, said Emily Stanley, a limnologist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. But right now, we don't know enough to know where we're going. To me, scientifically, that's interesting, and as a human, a little bit frightening. Where are you? Well, I, I had a chance to look at the original scientific paper in the journal. It came out of a journal of, called Current Biology, and what this, what this fellow did, he's a good scientist, he's out of Denmark, he, in his experiments, he lowered the pH in his aquaria to around 6.5 or 6.7, which is, way, way, which is a drastic decrease in pH in, you know, for these experiments, and that's where he saw these changes. Mm-hmm. Under ambient conditions or under conditions we have right now, current conditions, there was no impacts. In fact, he used current conditions as his baseline. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about some potential problems down the road. And that that article in the in the Tribune, which was taken from New York Times, you know, journalists sometimes will take it. Will take the the most sensational angle of, for a story. Some, well, sometimes. I, I have insisted that in many cases, and I would certainly include the New York Times, that the news gathering industry has adopted as a template the idea that man is ruining the earth. That ah. That's just part of the deal. When you walk through the door, you would best believe that. And the New York Times would be leading the way on that. But uh, would, would it be a fair statement for me? It says climate change altering lakes. Is it a fair statement to say 
I think what they mean is, yeah, climate change as it might be brought about by you driving an evil internal combustion engine. But isn't it true that lakes would always be at the mercy of the climate? They've been changing for decades. I mean, for millennial. How about for ten? How about for the ten thousand years since we've had lakes? Exactly, and they're still changing. They, and yes, that that's exactly right. We have. Uh, we'll put this in the context. There was a, a nice study done a few years ago where they used grapes, grape ripening, right. as a as a as an indicator of you know temperature change and all things. Right. right. Well, it goes back to the 1300s. Okay. And all these records are kept in church rectories in France, around Burgundy. So, Because mm-hmm. grape harvesting is a big deal. You know, it's a Burgundy grape. Yep. So, over 600 years of data, what they have found is that in every century, the 1400s, 1500s, and 1600s, we've had uh, a, a decade or more of really warm temperatures. But, starting in the 1750s, we went into a cooling era, and it lasted for 220 years. Mm-hmm. And so we've just come out of this cooling period in the 1970s. So it's not unexpected that uh, temperatures are we're coming into this cooling or this warming cycle. All right. Let me, uh, let me read the final few paragraphs of this story to get your thoughts. Caleb Hassler, a biologist at the University of Winnipeg, said that the new research addressed an unanswered question, the amounts of carbon dioxide that might harm freshwater life. This paper is really important because it starts to show where those levels might be, he said. I, I get, I'm not the scientist. Yeah. You are. I get frustrated at the equivocations here constantly. Might be, perhaps, somewhat. We don't know. We'll see. Well, that's true of anything in life. That's right. And what, what Caleb, what Dr. Hassler was referring to. you know this guy? Well, I, I know of him. All right. Not, uh, I probably, I've heard him at conferences and things. But here's the... You never fought him in the ring. <laughs> no, he's, All been, right. he's been on, on the outside <laughs> from that standpoint. But here's what happens. This, this professor, the scientist in Denmark, mm-hmm. he did, he extrapolated the worst case basis for pH in lakes where it could go to under the most extreme carbon dioxide increases if you know on some linear basis if it was extrapolated out for a long time and under those pHs is where we started to see some changes but I can guarantee <laughs> I'll guarantee you if those lakes get down to 6.5 as a pH and right now they're around they're around 8 and even up to 9 as a pH right. you know uh, on a pH scale we get down to six point five and six point three. We got we got other problems. <laughs> okay, let me continue. But it's not certain. More equivocation that inland waters around the world are building up carbon dioxide at the rate that Weiss and her colleagues right. observed in the German reservoirs. In November, Stanley and her colleagues published a study of carbon dioxide levels in lakes in Wisconsin. Between 1986 and 2011, they detected no significant change at all. That's right. The mismatch points to the complex chemistry varying from one lake to the next. While lakes and rivers all absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, some also draw the gas in from surrounding soils. Correct? That's right. All right. The chemistry of some inland waters causes a lot of carbon dioxide to be converted into other compounds. Some lakes and streams may support a lot of underwater plants that take up the gas, for instance, while others may have microbes that can release more of it. That's right. All right, one more paragraph before I get to the best one. (laughs) 
Making matters even more complicated, the carbon dioxide levels in any particular body of fresh water can change drastically over time with swings in temperature and other conditions. Right? Yep. Here's the doozy. This is the paragraph <laughs> that ends the story. You can have lakes where the carbon dioxide increases tenfold at night. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, and I am constantly under the gun of critics who say to me, I don't believe the science, to which I would submit to them based on this story, what science? Well, that's, that is what science. What science? What science did I just, what science did I just learn there? Well, all his facts were factual, you know, in terms of the variability and, right. the, and the flexibility of these lakes and what happens with their carbon dioxide. What happens, Joe, is that algae... When they, you know, they take up carbon dioxide during the day, and at night they put out carbon dioxide. So this is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, herbicide guys they'll go out and treat lakes in the morning because the pH is the highest, and if they wait till the afternoon because of all the algae that have been growing, they take up the carbon dioxide, lowers the pH, and then their algicide, their copper treatments, are not as effective. So these lakes change. By the hour sometimes. And so. yet and yet we seem to be held subject to scientists and academics, all of whom uh, presumably are well-meaning, who are merely saying, we think this might be happening. Well, okay, come back when you tell... I, I guess I guess the answer to that would be if they think it's happening, then we're supposed to take precautions. But based on this story, uh, I don't think they can demonstrate that anything's happening. Well, scientists as a rule... Don't I mean they will always put in their uncertainty or put in the uncertainty factor because it's hard to make absolutes saying this will happen for sure. So often we'll say the odds are or that there seems to be some indication that this could happen. So yes, it's always kind of crouched from that perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, are you enjoying the winter season? Boy, isn't it? Uh, it's, yes, we're, we have some ups and downs. That's for sure. You know, that's it's interesting too. Climate, sometimes um, we're talking, it's linked to cooling conditions. Sometimes it's linked to warming conditions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's linked to, you know, wetter conditions or sometimes drier conditions. So, yeah, I always enjoy the, uh, the diversity of the, uh, of the weather and climate. Congratulations. I believe July will be your 23rd anniversary date as Garage Logic's official <laughs> lake detective. I, yes. I still have that first thing right in my, my file yeah. when we were talking about some Lake Minnetonka things. All right. Well, as always, you've never been stumped, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it, too. Thank you, Lake Detective. Yep. Went to college and everything. <laughs> I'll say you did. Detective. I hope Lake. I've made my point more credibly than maybe I would have without Lake. him. My point being, Detective. you have nothing. I Lake. grant you that what you're studying is valuable, and what you're observing I can't deny, but you get all the way to the end of this, and I'm told, hey, sometimes this stuff increases tenfold at night. We can't, uh, we can't be sure. Perhaps, maybe, we don't know. We have uncertainty. Okay. Uh... I think we're okay when it comes to lakes. Gotcha. But uh, we're not okay when it comes to uh, the hysteria being part of the template, uh, in, in many cases, in the American news-gathering industry. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere.
Uh, Rod sent me, uh, he's in Edgerton. He sent me a nifty picture of an owl that I believe they discovered in their fireplace. And I've Wait. never seen one. Oh, you mean, uh, okay. I mean, I've seen Not him, cooked in the... In, in no, the... just making a noise. Mm. Want to stick with science for a moment? Uh, let's go. Do not suppress a sneeze. Oh, I, I saw this story. It can be dangerous. And I ha- I'm guilty of that. Well, right here on the radio, I don't want to be an elegant and, and sneeze. Well, it can blow a hole in your throat. Just blow you right up like a gunshot. Right. You know, huh? you got to be careful. <laughs> a sneeze will do that, you say. Yeah. Stifling a sneeze can rupture your throat, burst your eardrums, and pop blood vessels in your brain. Researchers, there we go again. They probably have some studies. Many people, when they feel a sneeze coming on, block all the exits, essentially swallowing the the sneeze's explosive force. You don't want to do that. No, you don't. I've been guilty of it, but... Just how dangerous this can be was illustrated when a 34-year-old man showed up at the emergency service of a hospital in Leicester. How do you say it, uh, Englishman? L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. Yes, Leicester's fine. Cheerio. Leicester. Spell it again. Dang it. L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. Leicester. Leicester. I'm going to go Leicester. I'm looking up right now. Call well, he had a swollen neck and extreme pain. The patient described a popping sensation in his neck after he tried to halt a sneeze by pinching his nose and holding his mouth closed. Doctors detailed in a study published in the medical journal BMJ Case Reports. The CAT scan confirmed what they figured. The force of the sneeze had ruptured and torn open the back of his throat. The man who could hardly swallow or talk was admitted to the hospital where he was tube-fed and given intravenous antibiotics until the swelling and pain subsided. He was in the hospital for a week. Wow. That's right. Halting sneezing via blocking the nostrils and mouth is a dangerous maneuver and should be avoided, the doctors concluded. Lester. Lester. It again? Lester. And again, Lester. Lester. That guy sounds like he stifled a sneeze. Do we have the correct pronunciation of your name? (laughs) Yes. Yes, you do. Lester. In rare cases, stifling, stifling a sneeze has led to a condition in which air gets trapped between the lungs and even the rupture of a cerebral aneurysm, Hmm. which is a ballooning blood vessel in the brain. Yeah. Well, here's the here's what I'm taking from this. Uh, I'm no longer going to attempt to be polite. I'm, I'm not just going to let her go. Well, just I, let her go. Uh, Sneeze to beat hell. I'm not. But, I'm not holding them back anymore. Never again. Isn't it different to have? Well, what did he do? He just went pinched his nose and closed okay. his mouth. So he went, but then did it, and then it blew a hole in his throat. Okay, but when I go. I'm not. I'm not allowing it to go into my into my throat. I think pinching your nose is uh, a different from what, how we stifle. Jim, how are you doing, Joe? Fine. In addition to all those other problems, you could detach your retina. Yep. 
or tear your retina. I don't want to do that. And if you do feel the urge to sneeze and you really want, you know, that tickle in your nose and everything, yep. you look into a light, like a, a bright light. That'll yep. cause you to sneeze. If you want to stifle a sneeze where you don't even start to sneeze, you lick the roof of your mouth. All right. Thank you for that. Joe? Yes. Good luck, Joe. Good, good luck. You have to lick your own roof of the mouth, right? It's not like, you don't get hey, help me, I'm going to sneeze. Can you just you lick the get, roof of my mouth? You don't get somebody else to do okay. it. Okay. But uh, this only caught my attention because, again, among the hysterias we were offered uh, in the news gathering industry is the increasing volatility of the flu. Mm. Uh, we're so, and I, I'll take it seriously. I just wash my hands again. Just, yeah, you got to constantly wash your hands. You know, yeah. Next time I want to sneeze, I'm going to do my own little science experiment. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stifle the sneeze, but I'm going to look at the lights, a bright light, while I'm licking the roof of my mouth. Well, no. Just see. to see what would Because one stifles one. I just want to see who wins out. You, you do that. Yep. All right. Uh, when liberals sneeze, suppress a sneeze, they run the risk of rupturing their sphincter. What? I'm just reading the comments to this story. You can also herniate a disc in your back. And as the fellow mentioned, rupture uh, retinas, detach retinas. Yeah, I don't want to blow a hole I in I guess my the throat. most polite thing you can do is always have a big hanky with you. And there you just go. sneeze into the hanky. Yeah, right from 1858 with my hanky in my back pocket. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, smart boy? <laughs> You like, like a cotton hanky? Yeah, you know how old hanky. that makes you feel? Like, eh, you I got it at the end of a stick. I'm going to go down the yeah. street. Running away from home. It's either cotton white or it's that red paisley one. Why don't we be back shortly? Yep. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. It's sunny and 8 degrees now. This update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. Proud sponsor of The Beer Show with Mr. Reavers. That's Th tonight? Nope. Thursday night. Thursday night. That's right. Thursday nights here at 1500 ESPN. Timberwolves hit the road tonight. After that long, successful homestand, they are in Orlando to play the Magic. Eagles, of course, will host the Vikings in the NFC Championship game at Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday. Uh, fans who didn't get tickets will now have to turn to the secondary market. Uh, this morning, a limited number of seats to the game were released at 10 a.m. Uh, they were gone in under one minute. Wow. There was Why? Some, there was some standing room only and a couple other tickets. So, uh, By the but, way... Are they paying face value if they're yeah, on that site? Those, it was normal game oh, tickets okay, from okay. the Eagles. So they were uh, between 120 and 275, I believe is what I read. Wow. Uh, now if you want tickets, you have to go to the secondary market. Here's what that means. <laughs> by this morning, the average asking price of $979 made the game the most expensive NFL Conference Championship game that Ticket IQ has ever tracked, said Ralph Garcia, the director of social media and public relations. Garcia also said overall fan interest and incredibly strong ticket demand was not something that just came out once the Eagles clinched. Uh, he said uh, it was like that beforehand. The Eagles are taking their first shot at an NFC title since 2008 when they lost to Arizona. They haven't been in the Super Bowl since the 2004-2005 season, and the Vikings have of course, could become the first team in NFL history to play in the Super Bowl on their home field, U.S. Bank Stadium, which hosts the Super Bowl February 4th of this year. So 42 years for the Vikes, isn't it? Since they've been 40. in the Super Bowl? 40. I thought it was 76. It was January of 78. January of 78. It? Uh, well, here we go. 
Fact based. <laughs> Look it up. That's called Bud. That should, did they, uh, uh, Bud. that should not be a problem did, to find out. Did they win that one? No, they've not won. <laughs> no, you're funny. So, John, according to your last story, maybe if a guy had, you know, four lower level tickets uh, yeah. as a season ticket, he could have made a lot of money in that NFC Championship game on Sunday. If it would be here and yeah. they were playing the Falcons, a guy yeah. could have done pretty well with that. Yeah. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, I'm going to find you and I'm going <laughs> to. Just look up. Uh, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, I'm on it. News notes from today. It was Oakland, and it was in the Rose Bowl. Did uh, Oakland won that one, right? I'll say. Oh, you're funny, John. <laughs> Just checking. Was that, John? that was John Madden? Right? Eaters of you years one. January 9th, 1977. I stand corrected. 77. 77. So that's 41 years. 41 years. Yeah. So you guys split the difference. All right. Perfect. Uh, they've won four of them, Joe. Just so you know. Yeah, okay. As recently as 2010, actually. Yeah, good. News notes from today. No, he said, what have your cheese eaters done? So, uh, Former Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty said today he will not be a candidate for the U.S. Senate in 2018. He made those comments during an interview with Neil Cavuto on the Fox Business Network. Pawlenty said, I'm interested in continuing to serve. There's a variety of ways to do that, but running for the U.S. Senate this year, uh, this year won't be one of them. There had been speculation that Pawlenty would run for the U.S. Senate seat that came open when Democrat Al Franken stepped down. Governor Dayton appointed fellow Democrat Tina Smith to take his place, and she has said she does plan to run in the special election to fill the remainder of Franken's term this November. That term runs through 2020. Republican State Senator Karen Housley was the first Republican to announce her candidacy for that seat. Joe, did you cover that game? Mm-hmm. Super I did Bowl four. No, the the Super Bowl with the Vikings and the Raiders. Oh, the last one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not realize this, or I, I guess I did not know this. There was no anthem sung before that game. I would not have huh. remembered that. Really? I find that interesting. I wonder why. I, I don't know, but but it was the first time where America the Beautiful was performed at halftime. I see. Governor Mark Dayton is pushing to borrow $1.5 billion for a vast list of public construction projects. The governor releasing the bonding bill today puts a heavy emphasis on upkeep at public colleges and universities, expanding affordable housing options, improving water infrastructure across Minnesota. His proposal would also fund local projects like $4 million in renovations to Duluth's Glensheen Mansion and $13 million to repair the Stone Arch Bridge in Minneapolis. He says the time is ripe to invest heavily in public construction. Now, this sets the stage for a marquee item of the 2018 legislative session with lawmakers come back on February 20th. His proposal, though, will likely face some pushback from Republicans who control the legislature. The administration had previously budgeted for an $800 million borrowing package. The Dayton administration's economic forecast assumed the legislature would pass an $800 million bill this year. But the final size of the package is a political decision between Democrats who push for more projects and Republicans who will likely seek to limit the state's borrowing. A statement from Republican House Capital Investment Committee Chair Dean Erdahl this morning suggested that proposal could face tough sledding in the legislature. Tickets for that game started at $20. $20. Stephen Bannon, President Trump's former chief strategist, was subpoenaed last week by the special counsel, Robert Mueller, to testify before a grand jury as part of the investigation into possible links between Donald Trump's associates in Russia. That, according to a person with direct knowledge of the matter, the move marked the first time that Mueller is known to have used a grand jury subpoena to seek information from a member of the president's inner circle. Special counsel's office has used subpoenas before to seek information on President Trump's associates and their possible ties to Russia or other foreign governments. 
Pope Francis begging for forgiveness today for the irreparable damage done to children who were raped and molested by priests, opening his visit to Chile by diving headfirst into a scandal that's greatly hurt the Catholic Church's credibility there, casting a cloud over his visit. The Pope faced controversy on another front as well. Overnight, three more Catholic churches were torched, including one burned to the ground in the southern Arancania region, where Francis will visit tomorrow to meet with Chile's indigenous people. While not causing any injuries, the nine church firebombings in the past few days have marked an unprecedented level of protest against the history's first Latin American pope on his home turf. In Santiago, though, an estimated 400,000 Chileans turned out in droves for his first public mass, a massive gathering in the capital's O'Higgins Park, where St. John Paul II celebrated Mass three decades ago. That's a funny name for a park in South America. I, I'm very yeah. glad you said that. That's why I included the name. I didn't uh, know the Pope was in South America. Mm-hmm. O'Higgins Park. O'Higgins. Maybe in Dublin you'd have an Maybe O'Higgins, O'Higgins park. pub. Yeah. In Chile. Yeah. Or Chile. 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 Uh, Nestle's is selling nearly $3 billion worth of its U.S. candy brands including Butterfinger, Baby Ruth, and Nerds. They're selling them, John? That's correct. They're selling them to Ferraro. Mm-hmm. The it's make- just a Baby Ruth. For- it's okay. Really? <laughs> really? Selling them to Ferraro. <laughs> it takes a big job. Lucky fate. <laughs> this is Smales. <laughs> Ferraro, uh, the company that's buying those, is the maker of Nutella. Is that how you say it? Yeah, oh, I believe well. so. Yeah, Isn't that a British chocolate? Uh, it's a... Uh, spread, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I have yeah. no idea. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a an almond spread, I believe. No, it's yeah. chocolate, I think. Is it? I think so. I'm on it. But it's not it's not made out of it's it's got peanut it's, it's got uh, almonds in it. Okay. Nuts in it. I thought okay. it was a replacement hazelnut. for peanut butter. Yeah. Okay. okay. It is a brand of sweetened hazelnut cocoa spread. All right. A little chocolate. Well, you, in you're there. both right. We're yeah. both right. Again. Let's just be you guys both, are both right. correct. Yeah. Do you want any more facts on <laughs> no, Nutella? No. You're good. Nestle said Ferrero will... It, it, it's, it puts me in mind of an ointment. <laughs> what? Or a salve. Oh. Yeah. I don't think Rub some be. Nutella on there. You'll be all right. <laughs> uh, Rub some Nutella on there. Uh, I'll get the other unguent. Daddy, yeah, I got asthma. Yeah. Nestle said Ferrero will acquire more than 20 of its U.S. confectionery brands, allowing the company to focus on non-candy products from its U.S. division, like pet products, bottled water, coffee, frozen food, and baby nutrition. Nestle, a massive food and beverage company based in Switzerland, is well known for its chocolate and candy, like 100 grand raisinets oh, yeah. and crunch. $100,000 bar, baby. Let's go. Although, in uh, November of 2017, the company modified the recipe because oh. of... Allergies. Boom. That a boy, Rook. Yep. McDonald's is pledging to make its packaging and restaurants more earth-friendly. Oh, good. By 2025, the fast food chain plans to use renewable, recyclable, recyclable, or certified materials in all of its packaging and will put recycling bins in the restaurants. Uh, Francesca DiBiaz, McDonald's sustainability officer, said our customers have told us that packaging waste is the top environmental issue they'd like us to address. Our ambition is to make changes our customers want and to use less packaging, sourced responsibly and designed to be taken care of after use. Today, about half of McDonald's packaging comes from renewable, recycled, or certified materials. Only 10% of stores currently offer recycling bins for customer use. Uh, McDonald's had previously promised to stop using packaging that contributes to deforestation. Currently, about 64% of its packaging meets that standard, and it plans to reach 100% by the year 2020. 
company has worked towards several other environmental goals. The past few years, McDonald's began buying sustainable beef back in 2016, and it plans to completely eliminate foam packaging by the end of this year, 2018. Hmm. Thank you, John. You bet. Is uh, Dave Dahl next? Ready to roll. Okay, you take us to Dave then, uh, Rook, please. Now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Suchere. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We still have sunshine out there. We're at 8 above, but a wind chill of 4 degrees below zero. Partly cloudy skies. It's going to be cold tonight. Back down to 2 below for the overnight low. But wind's not that strong, so wind chill's not too much of a factor. Southwest winds at around 5 miles per hour. Mostly sunny. It's going to be warmer tomorrow. That's the start of this January thaw up to 26, 32 on Thursday, 36 on Friday and Saturday. And then another change comes our way Saturday night. Uh, that'll be our first really good chance for uh, getting some significant snow again. Saturday night, mainly uh, some light sleet and snow, then changes over to all snow by early Sunday. And on and off snow throughout the day, accumulating snow quite likely, 28 for the high on Sunday. Monday, 26, 25 on Tuesday, so it stays a little bit below the um, thaw uh, early next week after that snow develops again. Uh, once again, the, the bullseye at this point seems to be taking aim right at southern Minnesota, and, and Twin Cities would be involved in that, mainly during the day on Sunday. Until that time, pretty dry. Part of the cloudy sky is going to be cold tonight, down to two below. Right now we're at eight above, Joe, and I have the records for the day. January 16. 46. 46. In 1961. In 1961. 29 below zero. 29 below. In 1888. In 1888, you know the uh, the record highs in January aren't very uh, impressive. They're not. They're that tells course. you that January's pretty cold. Doesn't it? <laughs> Usually does. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. If this has come up before, I apologize. I don't see how it could have. Mm. Uh, this story is presented as though this could not have been uh, uh, written before. See, I have a hobby. I have many hobbies, but okay. uh, when these cold Winter nights keep you around the hearth. Yeah. I like to study the collector car market. Yeah, magazines. No, don't do <laughs> that to me. That's what you are. No. That's what you are. No. 100%. No, two I get, words. I get the marketing. I like to I like to watch the trends and, and see what's happening. And so this story was. Right uh, with you. I'm watching the trends. No, you're probably making I'm a chair box somewhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so this story was right up my alley. This, okay. this leaped out at me. Here we go. Steve McQueen's missing bullet Mustang is found and unveiled uh, in, uh, in conjunction with the Detroit Auto Show. Again. Found? Yeah. It, it thought An to old be. barn. Did you ever see the movie Bullet? Sure. Well, that's the greatest car chase. Not the Sandra car, Bullock one. Car chase oh, scene. He's thinking of a different one. Bullet. 1968 or 69. Bullet. Steve McQueen. Greatest car scene ever. Right? Greatest car chase. That's I think it. it was wonderful. When he's hitting the corner on those the two wheels and he's up, about to take the jump. Yeah, that one. I don't want to get stabbed. You, you, well, you no, both are. McQueen and, and was. The, and the guest in there is going to get it. Too. <laughs> right, right. Ron's going to get it too. Yeah. He was, uh, let's just put this this way. I can summarize uh, uh, the shot by the bullet movie. The guy was pedal to the metal. I mean, he was full throttle, oh, 
Let's get to this. In 1968, place. McQueen produced and starred in Bullet. He had been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor the year before in The Sand Pebbles, but in the crime thriller, he played a tough San Francisco detective, Frank Bullet, who was battling a mob boss. The movie was moody and nourish and uh, well received box office hit. Who was the female? Was it Jacqueline Bissett? But despite of all this, uh, and co-stars Robert Vaughn, Robert Duvall, and Jacqueline Bissett, Bullet is recalled today mainly for its car chase, a 10-minute masterpiece shot in and around San Francisco and completed in a souped-up Highland Green 1968 Ford Mustang Fastback and a 1968 Dodge Charger. The scene helped the movie win the Oscar that year for film editing. Full-size replicas and best-selling toys were made of the car and are still made today, so long as its shadow that Ford has even produced limited edition versions of the must so long as it so long oh so long is its shadow that Ford has even produced limited edition versions of that Mustang as recently as 09, and they're bringing one back uh, this year at the Detroit Auto Show, which makes me wonder, are, are we up to some corporate mischief here uh-huh. that conveniently enough to introduce the 2018 bullet version of the Mustang, we have miraculously found the uh, the 1968 Mustang that was used in filming of that car chase. Two different Specially prepared Mustangs were used in that car chase. One was the hero car driven by McQueen throughout the film. The other was used mainly for the hardcore sections of the chase and jump scenes. Both were thought to be lost to the crusher, but the jump car was discovered in the spring of 2017 in a junkyard in Mexico. Now the car driven by McQueen has also been found, and it was unveiled Sunday in Detroit, along with a new 2018 Bullet Edition Mustang to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the movie. Boy, the cynic in me is wondering. Because I didn't I preface, I preface this by saying I thought this had been, I thought we have seen this before. Marketing. <clears throat> uh, the hero car was sold to a studio executive in L.A. who kept it briefly before selling it, coincidentally to a police detective, The officer shipped the car to New York and kept it for about three and a half years before placing a for sale ad in the back of Road and Track magazine in 1974. His six grand asking price was somewhat steep, but Robert Kiernan, a New Jersey insurance executive and Mustang fan, went out to look at it and he bought it for his wife to use as a daily driver. Oh, The Kiernans used the car avidly for years, adding more than 30,000 miles to its odometer. But as with many vehicular toys, mechanical and family issues eventually intervened. The clutch went out in 1980, and I was born in 1981, said Sean Kiernan, Robert's son, who grew up with the McQueen Mustang in his family's garage. So it went into storage. And why is that the last page that I have of this story? Damn it. (laughs) I thought I printed the whole thing. Did you find out your female lead? Did Jacqueline, you already give that? Jacqueline oh, you did. Okay. I didn't uh, know if you gave so, that. Well, in any event, uh, the car has been discovered, uh, and now I have no final page to give you. Damn it. <laughs> and that's where the story ends. No, take the break. Listen right. to this. That's from the movie. I can tell by the shifting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That really does a lot for listeners, doesn't it? Yeah, they can hear a car yeah. from the. Let me uh, see if I can find bullet. the other uh, part of this. Got it. Keep rolling to your song. Yeah, the guy kept it in a horse barn. Okay. 
and then it was found, and I can't, uh, it's, it's okay, it's been found. You trust the, uh... McQueen tried to buy it. McQueen did? Steve McQueen himself tried to buy it years ago mm-hmm. and was rebuffed. And, uh, anyway, the original has been found. It was brought to the Detroit Auto Show. And, again, conveniently enough for Ford to introduce a new uh, bullet Mustang, over 400 horsepower, 160 miles an hour, the same Highland green paint, what have you. Uh, but those stories are thrilling. Uh, that, that that stuff is still out there, and it's amazing what gets discovered. And if you were uh, if you were following the market like I do, yeah. uh, then there would be uh, many versions of these stories that would be available. Uh, many of them uh, I can't put my hands on at the moment. Do we have a car from a a relatively current uh, era that um, intrigues you? In what sense? Well, like like uh, the the McQueen car, like the the Bullet movie that. There's not really one in, well, maybe James Bond. I guess it, that would be the only. Yeah, the Aston Martin, that would be coveted. Okay. Uh, cost prohibitive, just like the Bullet Mustang would be cost prohibitive. Got it. I couldn't find the price it went for, but I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was six figures. How about the one guy drives it, buys it so his wife can have an everyday car? Yeah, but when you're my age and you think back of all the cars you owned as daily drivers and how many of them today would be collector's items, you didn't think about it at the time. You didn't think that, uh, you know, a, a, a GTO would have been a collector car in 1978 or 79. I, you know what? You're you're making my point for me in, in my head right now. I'm thinking that 82 Olds Omega that I, I had, have. I had no idea that would be a collector's car. Someday. And it's not. So you're okay. You With the, you the sun bleached top. And wow, that was a bad car. That was, Is uh, that the one you didn't have the oil in? Uh, no, I think you found that in the transport. Yeah, the, the transport was it looked like it was made for the set of the Jetsons. And that, yes. that was bone dry. The oil pan that was That one was, dry. yeah, that one. I've learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Learned my lesson on that one. Uh, Patrick will be coming up. Uh, he's in uh, Fort Myers. I just checked in with him. He is. Uh, he's ready. And uh, thanks to Ron for joining us today and yeah, his wonderful, wonderful uh, charitable efforts. 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's uh, 7 degrees, 6 below windshield, sunny windshield. Yeah, the windshield. They got cars on, on the, the mind. Yeah. 